Thank you, Lord. May your name be exalted in this place this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you know that today, the 5th of February, is the Christian Heritage Sunday, which celebrates the first preaching of the gospel on Australian shores? And on that occasion in 1788, I don't think it's a momentous day to be saying this. On that occasion in 1788, that verse was Psalm 116, 12 and 13. It says, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? Can't we ask ourselves the same question today? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. This seems to me to be a great text to begin today with as we pray for kingdom transformation on the Gold Coast. I've been declaring it for the last few years. This is the God Coast. Have a look around you. This is the God Coast. I don't care what the world's doing this morning. We're worshipping our Lord. Hallelujah. Matthew 10, 41, 42 says, He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Hallelujah. And he, sorry, and whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Take a seat, church. Welcome to everyone who's just come in. We're aware there's some parking issues. This is the Gold Coast. Normally we don't see the council rangers walking around booking, but they were over the car park this morning. But hallelujah, you're covered by the blood of Jesus. I said earlier I was going to give everyone the opportunity to sow in to Brother Sadu's ministry. We're going to do that now. So if you've got a seed there and you're ready to sow, I'm going to pray for that offering. Have we got our ushers up there? If one of them would like to come and grab mine as well, just hang on to it while we pray for it. Have a few ways to give. You can um, use the giving cards that are on your seats. I apologise to the pastors at the front. I forgot to give you a giving card, but I'm sure I can get you one. Pastor Shane, I'm looking at you. (laughs) Your cash is good. You can use the envelopes. The buckets will come around. We have a giving box on either side. Or if you really want to do it the, the flash way, you can scan that QR code and it'll take you straight through to our website. We also have tap and go. It's the easy way to sow. So Heavenly Father, let's pray for offering. If you've got it there, hold it up. Let's pray for it together. Because we don't give at this church. We sow. We expect a return, right? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this new week and this new season that we're about to step into. We thank you for Brother Sadu's obedience coming today. His obedience to you, Lord, to bring a word possibly even a rebuke to the church in this city. But we thank you that he's come. Father, we praise you for the gift of life. For your creative power, Lord, brought us into being and daily sustains us. We thank you for Jesus who paid the wages of sin and whose resurrection makes possible our victory over death. Church, There is victory over death. We need to remember that today. May you find us, Lord, walking in his steps, obedient to your will and willing to even die if that sacrifice should be needed. 
May our worship today be in the right spirit and consistent with the truth revealed in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask your forgiveness, Lord, for doing those things we should not have done in this past week, as well as our failure to do the things that we knew, Lord, that we should have done. We desire power over sin. So lead us into the relationship in which that power is possible today, Lord. Motivate us to give the assurance that Paul had that my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Accept our gifts today, Lord, as an expression of our love for the gift of Christ, our Saviour and Lord. And it's in his mighty name that we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. Have we got an usher that would like to take my offering as well? I'd really like to sow into the kingdom today as well. Zane, you're awesome. Love your work. Praise the Lord. Who's excited this morning? I believe this is a turning point for our city. Who's been praying that the city and the nation would start listening to the true prophets? Okay, so mostly this side. So. <laughs> oh, there's some on this side as well. We need to start listening. So this morning, let me encourage you, those that have ears to hear, listen to the message. I have no idea what Brother Sadu is bringing. But I can safely assume there may be a rebuke for the church, but there may also be instruction. So open your ears this morning, church. Be blessed. Be blessed. And make that declaration to yourself this morning that you will listen to the word. And not just be listeners, but doers also. So, Brother Sadu, would you like to bless us? Welcome. Welcome. Should I also ask you, how was your dinner last night? <laughs> no dinner. No dinner. How much time do I have? As much as you can. Okay. Thank you. Welcome. Good morning, everybody. It's a great joy to be in your midst today. And um, I want to thank our dear pastor, Gary, for his kind invitation to me to come and be with your miss uh, this morning. I hope you all are great in the house of the Lord. Are you? If you are, there should be great enthusiasm on your faces. <clears throat> I was just pondering in my mind while uh, during the worship that I first came to the Queensland, state of Queensland, exactly 40 years ago this year. In 1993, that was when I first came to Queensland to minister at a church in Brisbane. And my next visit was in the year 2019. for the funeral of my very good friend, a great prophet that arose in Australia. I'm sure you know Neville Johnson. And you are so blessed, all those of you living in Queensland, that his body is buried here, a prophet's body buried in the state of Queensland. One of the great prophets who not only, a, a prophet is not someone who just only prophesizes. 
or ministers to a people, but a prophet or rather a seer. See, there are two classes, a seer and a prophet. A prophet usually just prophesizes to people or prophesizes the word of the Lord, a word of edification, word of comfort, word of exhortation to the church as well, to the people. But a seer is of a different class. The very word seer means they see. A prophet also sees but not always sees. They may prophesy by inspiration or a word of the Lord may come to their mind and they prophesy. But a seer always sees and they flow in abundance of revelations. And to them, everything comes in a vision or they are taken up to heaven where they talk with the Lord, they participate in the counsel of God. So Neville Johnson is one such seer. So how blessed you are to have such a great seer in your midst. And as it always goes, prophets are never recognized. Right? Never recognized. Because they hardly bring um, words of blessings. So I was very surprised when our pastor introduced me saying, he may bring a word of correction. Even if I didn't, I feel compelled now. <laughs> so I have to somehow satisfy him, you know. <clears throat> so when he said that, I felt that my reputation had preceded me, like just like James Bond. <laughs> the famous saying in his movies is, his reputation always precedes him. So anyway, so once again, I'm so blessed and very happy to be in your midst. Shall we arise for a word of prayer? Let's bow our head for a word of prayer. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we come before your holy presence in the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Thank you, Holy Father, for gathering all your dear children from far and near, that we may come together in your holy name and to sit in your presence, to wait on you, to minister and to hear what you will say to the church. So now I ask you, Spirit of the Living God, to open our hearts, open our ears, give us an understanding heart and a listening ear that we may hear what the Spirit of God will speak to His people today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Please be seated, everybody. So I have your pastor's permission to speak the good, the bad, and the ugly. Amen? All agree? Do I have your blessings and your permission? All right. Even if you don't, I will still say it. Right? All right. So, I've never met your pastor before. I just met him 
yesterday afternoon and I, our Filipino pastor, he invited me. So I was of the impression I was going to a small church of 20 people. So when I walked in here, when I saw this crowd, I thought to myself, if I had come five minutes later, I would not have got a sitting space. <laughs> anyway, so thank you, Pastor Salamatpo. So I was praying last night, what would God speak to this church or to this nation? And all of yesterday I was praying and this morning, early this morning, and at about seven-ish, as I was having my morning tea and meditating the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord came unto me, what he would want me to minister to you. So this is a word the Lord said, one sentence, tell them, to go on to perfection. This was a one sentence. Tell them to go on to perfection. And when I heard that sentence, I knew it is a phrase from the book of Hebrews. So please turn with me now to Hebrews chapter 5. In Hebrews chapter 5, you'll find the Apostle Paul expounding on a peculiar character called Melchizedek. We first hear about him in the book of Genesis, where the patriarch Abraham meets him. And after that, you don't hear about him anymore. And the next time you hear about him is in the book of Psalms, where the word Melchizedek is mentioned again. And only in one passage about Melchizedek. Then the third time that you hear about the word Melchizedek being mentioned is here in the book of Hebrews. In chapter 5, you read about him and then in chapter 7. In chapter 5, when the Apostle Paul uh, introduces him, describes about his ministry, tells us who he is, and then he says something. But this is a deep subject and you are not ready to receive it. So therefore, I will not go any further about that. So that's a great loss, isn't it? And we also read in the Gospels where the Lord Jesus says the same thing. There's so many more things that I want to share with you, but you are not ready to receive it. So therefore, the Lord had to hold back. Isn't that a great loss? And then the Lord will, again in another place, He says, if I speak to you of earthly things and you cannot receive it, how much more if I speak to you about the mysteries of heaven? You cannot receive it. So He refrained Himself from saying you know, there is no other prophet or apostle or any other preacher during biblical days who can tell us more about heaven than the Lord Jesus Christ. All agree? Because he's the creator, right? He's God himself. So only God can tell us about the eternal dwelling places in heaven. 
but because of the dullness of heart. Because we are stuck in our traditional mindset. We expect God to only work within that framework of our tradition. So we have a box mentality. This is it. Nothing beyond that perimeter. So the Pharisees of the New Testament had that problem. Now they had the Torah, right? The Torah is all the books of the Old Testament. The law and the prophets. So to them, that's all there is to it. Nothing more beyond that. So when the Lord Jesus Christ brought words that are not within the boundary of the Torah, they rejected him. Am I right, everybody? They rejected. See, the Lord Jesus said, you have heard it been said, but I say to you. He was not bringing something new. He was bringing something that was real from the beginning. It's just that we understood wrongly. That was a problem from the beginning. The Pharisees, the Sadducees and all the great theologians of the law in the Old Testament understood the word of the Lord wrongly just like we still do today. So today what is our problem? Are we any different from the Pharisees and the Sadducees? No. Today, now we have the whole council, the whole book of the Bible, right? Now again, we are doing the same mistake like the Pharisees. Today, now what we say, now everything that anyone says must be within the whole Bible. Nothing beyond that. So if someone comes or God gives a revelation, you know, a revelation, when I mean revelation, it, it should not be beyond the fundamental doctrines of scripture. If anything, any revelation from heaven or from an angel or from a saint, anything that contradicts the fundamental doctrines of the scriptures, we reject them. But if they are additional, then we want to be open. We want to be open to hear and listen. So we must not be so dogmatic and pragmatic and closed mind like the Pharisees. If we do that, then we will constantly run our churches. Business as usual. Business as usual. You will just go through the formula. Let me give you one very good example that happened at a church that I participated in maybe last year or the year before. So there was this black church that I invited me. A very good, the pastor is an excellent man. Excellent man, the church it was as excellent as you all are. And um, <clears throat> so tradition, now this, listen, tradition, church tradition. We have 30 minutes of worship or 45 minutes of worship or rarely go on beyond as the Holy Spirit wants. So this is tradition number one. Tradition number two, offering. First offering for the local church. 
Second offering, if the pastor has a big heart for the guest speaker. But in this church, I was surprised this tradition has been broken. Instead of taking an offering for your own self first, Pastor Gary did something unusual. So, tradition. Then comes the next tradition, number three, announcements in the church. Right? Tradition number four, the message. Limited to one hour. Extremely permissible beyond one hour. One hour. Extremely permissible. But traditionally, not permissible. It's always my habit to ask the local pastor how much time I should preach. Whatever the pastor tells me, I am a stickler to the rules of the local pastor. I always respect and honor the local pastor. But in my meeting, no rules. <laughs> in my meeting, meaning not where I am preaching in another church now, when I am hosting my own conference, then there are no bars. But in a local church, we want to obey local rules. So there was once a church invited me, a very traditional Anglican church. The pastor told me I should only preach for 15 minutes. A tradition, you know. And it was a church of another language, so which means I have an interpreter. So 15 minutes message, so I made a mental calculation. 15 minutes... And I should pray for the people the last three minutes. So my message should be 12 minutes. Divide by two. Six minutes, right? All right. I kept my watch before me. I always do, even today. So I, every now and then my eyes will look at the watch. Don't want to disobey the pastor. Exactly on the 12th minute, I looked at the congregation. Of course, it was just midway or not even midway. One-fifth way through my message. So I told the congregation, let's all arise for a word of prayer. So everybody stood up for prayer. Three quarters of the church were our ministry partners. You know? So I prayed a prayer. Of course, at the same time, you see, you normally pray with your eyes closed, right? But the Lord Jesus also said, watch and pray. So, I kept my eyes watching the watch and praying at the same time. Exactly on the 15th minute, I said, Amen. And I went and sat down. The pastor, a very right reverend. They never have a left reverend, you know. Have you ever wondered why? It's always right, never left. <laughs> Please don't go and tell them all it is, no? <clears throat> anyway, so he was extremely pleased that I was very obedient. So later on, after the church uh, ended, many of our partners came to me for prayer and they asked me, why did you finish so soon? At least they expected a message for 30 minutes or 40 minutes, you know. So I told them, your pastor told me, there is another service right after this service 
So he wanted me to finish it on time. So they said, no, the next service is three hours later. Then why did your pastor say that? Later on I found out he, he was rushing to watch a cricket match <laughs> on TV. Just like Aussies like rugby. Right? Such services also ends on time so that all believers can go and watch rugby. Same. So anyway, so, so that's a tradition. After the announcements, message, after the message uh, is ministry to the people, after the ministry to the people, then the pastor may collect another offering for the guest speaker and after the offering comes benediction. This is tradition. So that particular day, so as I was praying before my message, my spiritual eyes were open and I saw the Lord Jesus Christ stand beside me on the stage. And he told me, I want to now speak to the people. He started pointing people to me. And I started giving them words, one by one, and also for the church corporately. And by that time, uh, it ended. 45 minutes had passed by. And I looked at the watch. It was, we, the pastor handed the mic to me at 8.30 in the evening. It was a special meeting not a regular Sunday service. And by the time I ended, it was 9.15. And I saw the Lord Jesus left the stage. So I looked at the congregation. I said, Lord, let's arise for a word of benediction. Ended. So the pastor looked at me and said, no message. I said, that's all that the Lord Jesus wanted to do that day. He spoke to the church, gave them a word of direction, where they should go, what they should do. What more do you need besides that? Right? What more do you need? The Lord himself came and spoke to your church. So at 9.15, I ended the meeting, handed over to the pastor, and I left. So the pastor came up to the church, I mean, came up to the stage. He looked at the clock. He said, oh, it's still very early. We were supposed to end at 9.30. Let's all arise and continue singing again. Till 9.30. Anyway, it, did, it doesn't bother me you know, because there's still a local church. I was just a guest speaker. But when I went back to my hotel room, the Lord spoke to me. What happened in the church last, that night? They were doing business as usual. Even though I had left, they still continued doing things because business as usual. You want to do business as usual. And in the business as usual, God has no place. He has no place because you want to do things your way. And I hope this church is not like that. Am I right? Okay. Tell them to go on to perfection. So we read here in chapter 5 of Hebrews verses 12 onwards. For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. I'm reading from the old King James Version. For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk 
and not of solid food. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a baby, but solid food belongs to them that are full of age, even those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. There you have there. Go on to perfection. And what should you do? Go on to perfection. The following scripture says, Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, and of the doctrine of baptisms, and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. These six things belong to the principles, the first principles of the Christian life. Those six things. So every born-again believer should be well worth taught these six things. And those are for babies, babies in Christ, not for the adults. So what is for the adults? Now look at verse uh, 3 onwards. For this we will do, if God permit, for it is impossible. Now this is that going on to perfection. For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened. Number one. And have tasted the heavenly gift. Number two, tasting the heavenly gift. And were made partakers of the Holy Spirit. That's number three. Partaking of the Holy Spirit. And have tasted the good word of God. That's number four. Tasting the good word of God. And the powers of the age to come. That's five. Powers of the age to come. Now in the first principles, you have six subjects. And going on to perfection, you have five subjects. So you should go on to perfection. Now if you compare these two together, you'll find here repentance from dead works. And the corresponding in the five, in the other five is being enlightened. Enlightened. And faith towards God. Now the first level of faith should not always, you should not always stay at the faith, first level of faith. You should go on. So where is your faith? Has your faith grown? About 15 years ago, I was ministering at a church in Taiwan, in a city called Kaohsiung, the southern part of Taiwan. So on the third day of the meeting, so I called for those who needed healing. And many people came. And among the many people, there was a mother with a 10-year-old boy. So I went on praying for everyone. When I came to this mother, I asked her, what do you want me to pray for your son? So she told me her son is deaf in the right ear and she wants healing. So I said, all right. And I asked the mother, was your son born deaf? Because if he was born deaf, then you should pray differently. And if he was not born deaf, it was an accident or some illness, then you pray differently. Or it is a spiritual problem, then you cast out the demon. 
See, you cannot just put one hat for everything. That is why we are never having success in our prayer. So as I was about to lay my hands and pray, the Lord told me, don't pray for him. And I was surprised. I asked the Lord, why? So the Lord said, the mother does not have faith for supernatural healing, but she believes that I will come to the hospital and heal her son through medical surgery. So, ask the mother to bring her son for medical surgery and I will come to the hospital and guide the hands of the doctor and heal her son. So, I stopped praying and I tapped on the mother's shoulder. I told her all that the Lord told me. She fell to the floor and she started literally crying her heart out. I felt so bad and rotten that I had caused a poor woman to cry her heart out because I had refused to pray. And this woman cried for about 10 minutes. After that, when she composed herself, she stood up and she said, she said, you know, Pastor, I really have no faith for supernatural healing. She admitted it. That which the Lord showed me supernaturally. She said, but every pastor, every visiting man of God who comes to our church, they put a condemnation on me that I should not go to the hospital, but trust God. And her faith is not at that level. Her faith is at this level where she believes that God will heal through medical science, which is not wrong. God does heal through medical science. Don't you agree? He does. So when I gave her the word, she felt so relieved that the weight of condemnation lifted up from her. Then later on, I heard from a church pastor. She went for surgery and the son's hearing was restored to normal. So this incident created a curiosity in me about this, this whole incident, you know. So I was very curious. So I went and fasted for several days, asking the Lord. See, I built up my theology like that. Such things you cannot read from any books. You cannot learn from any theological schools. So I fasted and prayed. I asked the Lord, please teach me. What's the difference? Why did you insert it like this? Then the Lord began to teach me about the different levels of faith. Small faith, little faith, no faith, great faith. You find all these four in the Bible. Right? Then he said, so in her particular case, she had no faith. No faith at all. But her faith was so low, she believed that I will come and heal her son through medical science. So this is how the Lord showed me. He said, when people have faith that low, he bends down so low, meets you at this level where you are and then carries you up to meet him at his level. How good God is. Isn't it? No condemnation. He meets you where you are and then gently carry you up step by step for your faith to grow, to meet him where you are. So your faith should grow. 
when you are first born again, for all your needs, you ask the pastor to pray for you or your church elders to pray for you. But 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, you cannot always be asking your pastor to pray for you. You should learn to pray for yourselves. You should learn to trust God yourself. Then you have grown. If not, you are forever a baby. If for every small thing, even for the slightest headache, if you ask your pastor to pray for you, something is seriously wrong. Isn't it? Seriously wrong. Once we had a partner. This woman called me one day. This was in the early days when I was operating our ministry office from my mother's house. So my house, uh, so we only had one telephone. My mother's phone number is our ministry's phone number. So at one night, this our partner called me. And she sounded so frantic as if it's a life and death situation. You know? And at the end of that, she, she, I asked her, so what is the problem? She said, Pastor, I cannot sleep. Please pray and put me to sleep. So I thought in my mind, no? Am I going to pray or sing a lullaby? You see how difficult it is to be a pastor? <laughs> Poor pastor. Never easy to be a pastor. If being a, just an itinerant minister can be this tough, how much more the pastor? How much more? That's why I have great respect for pastors. And I always thank God I was not called a pastor. And I would have made a lousy pastor if I ever become one, you know. I would have sent the, everybody out of the church. <laughs> so, number two is faith. So, your faith should be growing. Now, look at number three. Doctrine of baptisms. It says there, baptisms in the Pula, right? So, which means it's not limited to Water baptism. Cannot be, right? If it is just limited to water baptism, it should be doctrine of baptism. Full stop. But here it says baptisms with a prula. So, it includes water baptism plus baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is part of the first doctrine. So, baptism of the Holy Spirit is not something so great that it is elusive to all believers. It is part and parcel of the Christian life. But here you read the heavenly gift of partakers of the Holy Spirit. So, it cannot be the baptism of the Holy Spirit because that is part of the first principle. You go on to another level of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The baptism of fire. The baptism of fire. And we so full of the Holy Spirit. Not just touch of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues. That is just a very basic rudimentary experience. 
That's not everything. It's basic, you know. Speaking in tongues is basic. When a baby is born in a family, you naturally expect the baby to speak. Don't you? If the baby doesn't speak, something is wrong. Right? My, my second nephew, when he was born, he never spoke a word for the first five years of his life. So my older sister was so worried and sad that her son was mute, you know. But this boy responds to all kinds of words and sounds and he would just fumble speaking words. So I always encourage my sister, don't worry, don't worry. He will speak one day, he will speak one day. And that one day came when he turned five. And the moment he started speaking, he never stopped. <laughs> then the mother wished he never spoke. <laughs> then the mother started complaining, he's talking too much. See, this is our human heart. We never have enough, right? And we are never satisfied. So, just like a baby speaks, when you're born again, born of the spirit, you must speak the heavenly language. That is speaking in unknown tongues. So, speaking in unknown tongues is the basic. Basic, not the extraordinary. It's not the perfection. So, being to go on to perfection with the Holy Spirit is to be led by the Holy Spirit. That you are so full and control of the Holy Spirit that wherever He leads you, you go without any reservation. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, we read, the Holy Spirit led the Lord Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. It's clearly written like that. Am I right, everybody? So, the temptations that the Lord Jesus faced were perfectly designed by God. Everybody agree? So then, why do you pray, Lord, take me out of temptation? So, you know that the word temptation is not like tempting you to do something. It was a test. The Greek word says it's a test. Not like temptation that we understand today. So, it was a test. Will you pass this test? So, you're put in a situation where you are, where you will go through tests. And that, those situations were designed by the Holy Spirit Himself. So you are led, knowingly brought to the slaughterhouse to be slaughtered. A sheep, sheep knows, you know, it's going to the slaughterhouse to be slaughtered. It knows fully well, yet it does not resist. Do you resist? This is a question you need to ask yourself. Am I resisting the work of the Holy Spirit in my life? You pray for perfection. You pray for the will of God to be done in your life. You pray to know God fully. You pray for a fresh encounter with God. When you want to do all that, then when God designs a program, so that you can enter into what you ask for. But that program is not according to how you want. And you begin to fight it. 
you begin to rebel against it. And then you say, this is not of God. Worse, that's worse, no? You begin to resist, oh, this is the work of the devil. It's the devil is putting me through all this. And you begin to do all kinds of spiritual warfare, mumbo jumbo things. I see many elderly people here. So the uh, example that I'm going to use, perhaps you will understand. You know, in the olden days or in the early days of cars, they used to have a car where you use a cranker to crank the car. Have you seen it? No, I wouldn't ask you. I'll ask all these people here. <laughs> Am I right? Have you seen those cars? Okay. You crank it up. And then the engine starts running. To you, I will say, you push the button. <laughs> how, how is it this church is strangely divided? <laughs> the, the young over there and the old. Is this done by purpose? <laughs> so anyway, see the cranking? You do that in your spiritual life today. Before you minister, you crank up in praying in tongues. The minister or the pastor jumps up and down praying in tongues. See what they are doing? They are warming up. <laughs> Don't you do that? Yes. See, you need to warm up before you can minister. Why? You are dead in the spirit. You are dead. Your engine is not running. Why you people laugh all the time? Your, your engine is not running. You are not full of the Spirit. That's the problem. You are not full of the Spirit. You're far away from God. So each time you come, you need to crank up. You need to start up. You need to spend so much of time before you minister. You look at the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Always on call. Right? Always on call. Even when he's sleeping, Deeply in sleep. You know, when I was flying uh, two nights ago, I, I pondered this. How tired the Lord must have been for him to sleep through a storm. He must be so dog tired, so wearied in the body. When, when our pastor picked me from the airport, I had not slept through the whole night. So, from the airport in Brisbane, all the way to the Gold Coast, I slept through. So, he asked me, oh, you had a good sleep. I said, I always sleep when I'm traveling in a car. That's the time my body goes into a de-stress mode. With all the stress in the work, I just sleep at least for the first one hour that I'm traveling in a car. So, that must have been the Lord's experience. So when he was shockingly awoken, he got up and he did a miracle, right? He didn't say, okay, wait, just hold on. Let, let me pray. <laughs> let me go and fast and pray first. Did he say that? You know why? He always lived a fasted life. Always lived a fasted life. And he was always praying all the time. So he was always full of the Spirit. Not short-circuited in any way. 
when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, he went into the wilderness and when he came out of the wilderness, Luke 4, 14 says, he came out with the power of the Holy Spirit. First was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Second was the baptism of power. He received the power. So then that is the partaking of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, laying on of hands. Now that goes together with number five in the next category, the powers of the age to come. Now laying on of hands, you lay hands on the sick to pray. In Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18 tells us, those who believe, they shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. Who are those that believe? Every believer, right? Every believer. So it doesn't mean only the pastor. Every believer. So if you believe that every believer means every believer, then why are you asking your pastor to pray? Why are you doing that? Isn't it? Madam. So the husband can lay hands on his wife and pray. The wife can lay hands on the husband and pray. The parents can lay hands on the children and pray. And the children can lay hands on the parents and pray. Everyone who believes. O ye of little faith, even those with little faith, they can pray. A few years ago, before the pandemic or before the lockdown, we used to conduct a vacation Bible school for children. So we call it the a prophetic camp for children every summer. So this particular camp, we taught on the gifts of the Holy Spirit for children from 5 years old up to 12 years old. So for 5 days, I, I trained teachers to teach about the five 600 children who come from all over South India. And then on the last day of the meeting, it's a day that uh, they distribute certificates and some tidbits for the children. So I always make a guest appearance on the last day to pray and bless all the children. And on this particular camp, so I, when I came on the last day, so the, all the 500 kids just surrounded me. They started calling me grandpa, grandpa. That's how they called me, you know, grandpa. And they all surrounded me. So I told them, okay, you have learned about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Did you all understand? They said, yes, we do. All right, how many of you are sick? So 120 kids raised up their hands. So you are sick and you need healing. So the other 380, you all are well and good. I said, all right, okay, now I'm going to give you a practical training of what you have learned. So I asked the 120 who lifted up their hands to go to the back of the auditorium. And the 380, I said, come and stand beside me. All of you are going to be grandpa's assistant today. Oh, you should, you should see the zeal in the kids' eyes. They came running, you know. And they all wanted to stand at my right side, left side. Just like the sons of Zebedee. <laughs> the closest to the Lord. So, and they would fight among themselves. I want to stand beside grandpa. I want to stand beside grandpa. Anyway, I said, all of you are my equal assistants. Say, so let's all hold hands. So all the 380. And I prayed and imparted a blessing upon them. Now I said, now you go to every sick person, hit there. Lay your hands and pray for them. 
Say, don't take your hands until they are healed. Within 15 minutes, all the 120 were healed. Everyone. And it was not done by me, by these little kids. Now, after that, they all went back to school. You know, when the vacation is over, there was this one particular girl, eight-year-old girl. She went to school. That particular day, her teacher could not write on the blackboard because her right hand was swollen. So she told her children, the students, kids, I cannot write today because my hand is swollen, but I will just dictate, you take down notes. So this kid, this girl who came to our con camp meeting, she went up to, to the teacher, she said, teacher, can I pray for you? The teacher is, was a Hindu, not a Christian, you know. So the teacher, you know, even Hindus or Muslims, they always welcome prayers. It doesn't, it doesn't harm anybody because you're not converting them. You're just going to pray them a prayer blessing, right? So this little girl laid her hands on the teacher. She remembered all that she learned in the camp. Just a simple prayer she prayed and the teacher was instantly healed. Instantly healed. See? So, laying on of hands is the basic principle for every believer. All you need to do is believe. That's the key. Believe. Never doubt. But believers have a problem. The problem is this. We always think that we are smarter than God. Yeah, let me explain. One, we think we are smarter than God. Secondly, we think we carry greater burden than God. The cross that the Lord carried is not good enough. They carry a greater cross. And thirdly, they always doubt God's ability to heal. What if the sick will not be healed? See, your first approach is one of full of unbelief. So when you believe the unbelief, how can your faith work? You are a believer in the wrong thing. So one day, I was praying along this line, you know. And the Lord Jesus told me like this, taught me like this. Don't do my job. You do your job, let me do my job. So what is your job? Lay hands on the sick. My job is to heal. That's your job. You do your job. I do mine. Why do you take my place? Right, everybody? So why are you taking God's place? Will God heal or not? No, no, you doubt like that. Why are you doubting God's ability? So you are saying God cannot heal. Right? So all you have to do just lay hands by faith. Don't ever entertain if the person will be healed or not. That's not your problem. Your problem is to lay hands on the sick. That's all. If you do that, you will see the hand of the Lord above your hand. I always see that happening. From the very first time, I began to flow in the gifts of healings. It's been my privilege. 
to always see the hand of the Lord above my hand. And the power of the Lord will flow from his hand into my hands and through the sick person. So it always happens like that. So it is his job to heal. Your job is to lay hands and pray with simple faith. And you will see great results. And number five, resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Now here you come to tasting the good word of God. Verse five. Now the tasting the good word of God cannot be merely the simple teaching or understanding of the word of God. You go one level deeper. You meditate the word of God. The Lord Jesus said in John chapter 5 verse 39, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and life. It's not just letter because the letter kills. It's spirit and life. It is spirit and life. It means you should not just stop at the surface level of reading the scriptures. You should meditate them. When you meditate them, then the Holy Spirit will take the inner meanings of the word. What did the Lord really meant? What he said. We need to understand that, right? For example, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, what does it mean to be poor in the spirit? In the olden days, they understood to be poor in the spirit means you walk about like a vagabond. You don't own anything. You don't have any earthly properties. This is, this is the model of the Catholic Church where the nuns, the monks, they don't have anything because they are poor in the spirit. Is that what it really means? So what does poor in the spirit really means? You know, the amazing thing is this. When the Lord Jesus spoke the Beatitudes. He merely made a statement and did not elaborate it. He just made a statement. So it is for you and me to now dig deeper. What does it really mean to be poor in the spirit? So it is not something poor physically. It is poor in the spirit. So in the spirit, in the spirit does not mean your spirit. Now again, that is another wrong understanding. Not your spirit being poor. In the spirit. So what does it really mean in the spirit? So when you meditate them, then you begin to taste the good word of God. Going on to perfection. So what is the will of God for this church? You go on beyond being an ordinary church and become an apostolic and prophetic church. Become an apostolic and prophetic church so that you can go forth to establish the kingdom of God on this church, on this world. That is the will of God for you. From this day onwards, the life of this church will never be the same anymore. Never be the same anymore. At least for Pastor Gary. That's what the Lord told me about you this morning. Your life will not be the same anymore from this day onwards. Now, what is the last day's church? We are living in the last days. 
the last days church, like the first century church, should be an apostolic and prophetic church. The first century church was apostolic and prophetic. The last days church must be apostolic and prophetic. In between the two, we have the lukewarm church. First, the church was blind. Then she became deaf. Then she became dumb. Then she was revived. Now she became fat with the worldly stuffs. Don't laugh because you are part of that fat church. Don't laugh. This is something to be shameful about where we have fallen so low that we are no better than the Laodicean church. In fact, worse than the Laodicean church. Because the Laodicean church did not have any precedence. Now you have a precedence, the Laodicean church. Now seeing the conditions of the Laodicean church, we go further in the world than the Laodicean church. We amass wealth for ourselves. Gold, silver, bronze. And then all kinds of, you know, the Laodicean church had a wealth problem. And then they had great medical facility in Laodicea. And the, they specialize in eye treatment. And that is why the Lord said, buy of me an eye salve for your eyes. So that your eyes can be opened. What eyes to be opened? Your spiritual eyes to be opened. Gold, buy of me gold. Have an encounter with me, the glory of God. The Old Testament church had the glory of God in their midst. It was so tangible. It was like an everyday occurrence to them. And they, their spiritual eyes were all open. That even a mate, a servant girl in the house can see angels. Which means it was a common occurrence. Right? And then Laodicea was very good in fine clothing. So the Lord said, buy of me clothing. You are naked. You are naked. You're, with your money, you can buy branded stuffs, branded clothing. But spiritually, you are naked. You are not wearing the proper garment. You are naked. So buy of me. So what is that garment? Revelation chapter 19 verse 8. The bride wears a fine linen garment which are the righteousness of the saints. So where is that righteousness of the saints? Go on to perfection. So we are no better. So this is what the Lord wants this church to be. Go on to perfection. No more business as usual. If you want to make an impact in the Gold Coast, you know, in my early days, I'm always very naive, even till today, you know. So when I first thought about Gold Coast, I thought, oh, there must be a lot of gold in this coast. <laughs> That's how I thought in my naivety. There must be a lot of gold in this coast. That's why they call it Gold Coast and people are all are flocking here. But you know that's not true, right? So what is the real goal? 
the glory of God. The goal in the Bible always signifies the glory of God. So God raised you up. God called you as a church, not just to be a church, but to be a prophetic church, an apostolic and prophetic church where the glory of God is always present. Always, always present. Not once or twice. Where the glory of God comes to abide. It's different, you know, to have a visitation and a habitation. A visitation is just once a lifetime or once upon a time experience. You just feel goosebumps. But a habitation is the glory comes to abide. I'll show you this scripturally. In Exodus chapter 19, the whole Israelites, three million of them, they had a visitation of God's glory. The glory of God came down on Mount Sinai. They all saw with their naked eyes and they all heard the voice of God speaking to them with their naked ears, the glory of God. But then, after that, they all said, everyone, so three million minus one, so it's two nine 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 nine. Said, we don't want to hear the voice of God because it's too awesome. So they say, Moses, you go and talk to God. We are now listen. They said we are contented to hear second hand. We are contented to hear second hand. You do all the praying, you do all the fasting, and you come and talk to us. We will not fast, we will not pray because we are too busy. Don't you say that today? You say the same thing today. So what happened? God said, all right, you have said well. Why? Because you have said well, because that's what is in your heart. That's what is in your heart. Why the prophet Moses was called alongside to meet with God? He was willing to empty himself. Of everything. You will read in Exodus chapter 4 that when he started from Midian to go back to Egypt, his wife and two sons came along with him. And then in Exodus chapter 18, you read the father in law or the father of Zipporah brought Zipporah, Moses' wife, and his two sons to meet with the prophet Moses at Mount Sinai. And the scripture says, he, the father, Roel, brought Moses' wife, whom he had sent back. So, which means from chapter 4 to chapter 18, during this period, the prophet Moses had sent back his wife and his two sons back to the father's house. Why? So that he can be sold out. But that was a requirement that God put on him. Now, not this requirement is not put on every married man or every married minister, but he had a peculiar calling and he was willing to pay the price. High the calling, high the price. If you want high the calling and you don't want to pay high the price, how can you get the high the calling? It doesn't work. 
I've had a lot of people come and ask me, lay your hands on me and transfer all your anointing upon me. It doesn't work like that, you know. Sadly, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. Price. High the calling, high the glory, you will see, high the price you have to pay. And the prophet Moses was willing to even put his family on the altar. It's something dear to him, right? His son, his two sons grew up not seeing the father's face. And they paid a price. They joyfully paid the price. And for that, the Lord promised the prophet Moses an inheritance for his sons, which traditionally they should not get because they are Levites. Levites have no inheritance in the promised land. But God specifically told Joshua, you must set aside two portions for Moses' sons. See, that's how God rewards a faithful married man of God. His family is remembered by God. God doesn't forsake you because you are willing to pay the price. Your wife will be remembered. Your children will be remembered because of the sacrifice you are willing to pay. Putting them aside. And credit should also be given to Zipporah who never complained. I never got get to know your name yesterday. Amanda, okay. Credit should be given to Zipporah who never complained and raised up her two sons in the fear of God. And taught the two boys the true God Jehovah, not the median gods. She prepared her two sons and the two boys never rebelled against the father like pastor's kids do today. Never. It is because of the mother. I'm sure you have heard of the late man of God called Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth He Hagin, the senior. He always credits his wife for bringing up his two children in the ways of God. Always, I've always heard him giving great credit to his wife, Oreta. She doesn't have a pastoral calling or ministry calling and Brother Hagin never pushed his wife like many ministers do today. They push their wives even though they have no calling. And she was a housewife. While he was busy traveling and doing ministry, she brought up her two children in the ways of God. And the son, when he grew up, Kenneth W. Hagin, he followed the footsteps of the father and today is continuing the father's ministry even when the father is gone. And his son is also a minister of God. So three generations of Hagins. What a blessing, right? When my nephews were born, I told my two sisters, older and younger, don't train them to serve the world. Give them to God. And I, I instill those values in my oldest nephew and in my third nephew. Both of them are serving God in full-time ministry. I never encourage them to serve the world. Say, don't push your kids. And I must give credit to my two sisters who obeyed what I said. So they never push their kids towards 
securing A's in all the education, like the mad rush world today is. And those two boys began to follow the footsteps of their uncles. And they are serving God in full-time ministry. Business no more as usual. So the church should be an apostolic and prophetic church. And our, are you also a pastor? Okay. Our pastor Amanda sang so beautifully one song, repeatedly again and again, extolling the lion and the lamb. And incidentally, the lion is apostolic ministry and the lamb, oh sorry, the lamb is the apostolic ministry and the lion is a prophetic ministry. The lion and the lamb. And you have also in the scriptures, two prophets, two witnesses, Moses and Elijah. One an apostle, one a prophet. And the Old Testament consists of the law and the prophets. Apostolic and prophetic. See, the two streams flow together. So the early church, the first century church was apostolic. Very apostolic. The Lord Jesus said, I sent you. The word apostle, apostolos in the Greek means a sent one. Matthew chapter 10 verse 16, I sent you. And she went places. In Acts chapter 8 verse 5, we read, Philip went to Samaria. And then in Acts chapter 13 verses 1 to 5, we read about Paul and Barnabas going to different, different places among the Jews and among the Gentiles. So when the church is apostolic, it is also very bold. Acts chapter 4, verse 13 and 31. In the face of persecution, they did not back off. They did not back off. They said, Lord, thank you for giving us this privilege to suffer on your behalf. Now, which church or which believer today will say that? Thank you, Lord for giving us this honor to suffer on your behalf. You know why we don't say that? Because we have too much of material goods. Too much. Too much of gold. Too much of silver. Too much of money. And too much of weight that pulls us down to this earth. Too much of material wealth. You are bonded to your children, you are bonded to your parents, your children become your idols, your career becomes your idols, even the ministry can become an idol. Your church becomes an idol. The gifts that God gives you becomes an idol. They all can become an idol. Where they are more important than the Lord Himself. I first experienced this. I mean, Allowing, not uh, allowing business to be as usual. In 1998, where I was ministering to a congregation of Chinese believers in Los Angeles. So on the second or third day of the meeting, so I went up to the stage to preach. And while I was praying the opening prayer, I saw the Lord Jesus come and stand beside me. And he said, I want to heal the sick first before your message. So call the sick to come to the front and you go down and lay your hands on each and every one of them. Traditionally, 
I move more by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, praying a mass prayer than individual prayer. But at times, the Lord will move me to pray individually. So on this occasion, he said, lay your hands on everyone. So about 300 people came forward. So I went and laid hands on each and every one of them one by one. And when I was through with 300, 90 minutes had passed by. And the Lord smiled and he left. All were healed that day. Even a girl, a 22-year-old young girl was born with one of a leg was three inches shorter than the other leg. That leg instantly grew before her eyes. And uh, so I went up to the stage. I said, I told everybody, let's stand up for a word of the Lord. And I prayed a prayer of benediction and ended the meeting. So the pastor looked at me and said, where's the word? I said, the word came, the word was sent to heal the people and the word left. Am I right, everybody? He asked me, where's the word? The word came. The word came and the word sent forth to heal the sick and the word left. Finish. So when the word has left, what more do I have to do? Crank up. <laughs> See, business as usual. Never do that. You always want to be open. See, the last day's church must be apostolic and prophetic. Open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Not what you want to do. It's good to have program. Structured program, good. Because we want to stay Structured. But at the same time, that program should also go into the dustbin for the move of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the second time I witnessed this was in Brazil, the year 2001. So I was in this city called, you would be surprised to hear the name of the city. It's called Holy Spirit. The city itself is called Holy Spirit. Espirito Santos. Brazilians have nice colorful names, you know. That's why I always support Brazil in the World Cup. <laughs> and sadly they lost. Okay, never mind. <laughs> never mind about that. Australia too lost. See, it's okay. We'll wait another four years. Anyway, so that night, first night of the meeting, before I was going to speak, Again, the Lord came to me. He said, I want to heal the sick first before your message. Is it okay with you? And I said, how can I say no? Said, no, 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 Lord. Please, wait. Let me preach first. Because your word says, faith comes by hearing the word. So let me stir them up so that then you can lay hands your hands. Tradition. That would be business as Usual. So I gave the altar call and about, I think 150 came forward for prayer. I laid my hands and prayed for them and the word left. That was the end of the meeting. I never preached beyond that because that's all that the Lord wants to do. So what is most important in an apostolic and prophetic church is the Lord present in your midst. That's the most important. That's why we are gathered here, right? You're gathered here to worship the Lord. 
Why worship the Lord if the Lord is not present? Then to whom are you singing? So first and foremost, present yourselves to God. Bring your heart into oneness first. You cannot have a divided heart in the congregation before you start your worship. In the worship, first all hearts must be united. Cast away all other thoughts from your heart. So that's why it's very important to come to church on time. If it's a 9.30 service, you'll be here before 9.30. Then the worship leader can prepare the people. Let's prepare our hearts. Let's cleanse our hearts, cleanse our minds. Bring it all into oneness to offer unto God. When you are all one, then the Holy Spirit is there in your midst. Then He will begin to take you and lift you up to worship the living God. Then you'll be offering unto God a pure sacrifice that is acceptable. So for the scriptures to say acceptable, then it also means there are sacrifices that are not acceptable. Right? So can you imagine, you try to imagine now, how many times we have offered an offering which were not acceptable, but we thought God has accepted them. How many times? Worship is a sacrifice. Giving of money is a sacrifice. And the sacrifice must be acceptable. If your body is not clean, not cleansed of sin, you come to the church with a divided heart, a divided mind. The scripture says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that divided heart and mind is not an acceptable sacrifice because your heart and mind are divided. They must become one. Once I was meditating the scripture, wherever there are two or three gathered together in my name, there I will be in your midst. Everybody know this scripture? All right. You believe this scripture? So what are we traditionally taught? Where two person or three person are gathered together, the Lord is in our midst. Am I right? This is the traditional interpretation. But one day the Lord gave me another different viewpoint of the scripture. Two, your heart and your soul. The third person is the Holy Spirit. First, your heart and your soul must become one. They are not divided. Then you become one with the Holy Spirit. When you become one of the Holy Spirit, your spiritual eyes will be open to see the Lord Jesus in your midst. You don't just believe by faith, which is not wrong, which is the basic, but you go on perfection. One step higher, where your spiritual eyes will be open. Not only one person, two person in the congregation, every person's eyes open. You will see the Lord himself. And when you reach that level, the Lord himself will teach you. That's why, that's why the scripture says, and all my children, shall, and they shall be taught by me. The Lord himself will begin to teach you. How wonderful. Right? And your pastor will be so full of the spirit that the Lord will speak through him. Teach you through him. 
That is the apostolic and prophetic church. And the apostolic and prophetic first century church was also evangelistic. It was very evangelistic and there was salvation of souls because they were evangelistic. Acts chapter 3 verse 41, chapter 4 verse 4, chapter 8 verse 5 to 6. They give greater importance to evangelism, which is another missing thing in today's church. We, we don't care about salvation of souls. What we care is for the maintenance of the soul. Two things, you know. The church today has become a social club. You gather, you come together because you want to meet your friends. You don't come to church to meet with God. You come to socialize. Am I right? You come to church to network. Network of like-minded business people. Networking. So it's no more coming to meet with God. So therefore, why hunger after lost souls? You don't need to. Just do maintenance. Maintain the 100%. The tithes and offerings enough to pay the pastor. Take care of the pastor, take care of his family, give him a good parsonage, give him a brand new car, big car, big house. So the pastor looks at the church, okay, the church is taking good care of me, let me just maintain the 100 people. Why grow it? Why grow? You are comfortable. You are comfortable. How sad. How sad. The first century church was an evangelistic church which gave greater importance to evangelism. When I got saved, I got saved in a very traditional church. But our pastor was a very prayerful man and he had an evangelistic fervor in him. After every service, in the afternoon, he gathers the young people and teach us about evangelism. Then he takes the city map, or at least our neighborhood, the suburb, and he divides the streets among the youths. He divides us into two, two in a group. And he says, okay, you take street A, street B. He divides the streets among us. Say, go out two by two, knock on the door, and tell them, is there anything I can pray for you? See, direct evangelism sometimes doesn't work, right? Especially in present times, where people get scared. You are invading into their territory. But everyone always wants a prayer. Everyone, irrespective of what religion they belong to. See, when you pray, they are healed. Or God reveals to you supernaturally, about their situation. And they will ask you, how do you know? How do you know? Right? I was once uh, <clears throat> having a dinner with my secretary at the Kentucky Fried Chicken. You have that here? I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. KFC, right? Good old finger licking good. <laughs> so I met my secretary. We were going through work and all that. And I noticed an Indian woman belonging to the different race. I'm from the southern part. She looked at me, her features looked to me like from the northern part of India. 
she entered into the restaurant and she came and sat across our table. And um, so to bring out a point, I took out my Bible to share something with my secretary. At that moment, this woman came to my table and she asked me a question. Are you having a Bible study? Can I join you? I have many questions to ask you. I told her, we are not having a Bible study, but once we are true, you can come, you can come over and I can answer whatever questions you have. So when we are true, discussing, discussing and eating, you don't want to miss the linger picking. <laughs> so I invited her over, said, please come. So she introduced herself to me. She's from the northern part of India and uh, she took out three books from her handbag. She said, I'm uh, northern part of India, I belong to this particular religion, but I'm reading the book on Hinduism, the book on Islam, and the book on Buddhism. I am seeking for the truth. When I entered into the restaurant, when I saw you, I saw a glow of light all over you. And I knew that you are a holy man. So I came to ask you, can you show me the truth? I told her, woman, you have come to the right person. <laughs> I said, sit down. I began to share my testimony. How from being a Hindu, I got saved. As I was speaking to her, the Holy Spirit opened my spiritual eyes and I saw about her life, her past and her present. Till that time, she saw me at the entrance and her jaw dropped open. She said, she repeatedly asked me, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know? You describe my life as if you grew up with me. So I asked her a question. Have you seen me in your life before? She said, never. Do you think I've seen you? Never. How do you think I know you? That's the question I'm asking you. How do you know? I said, there is a God who knows you. And his name is Jesus. And after a few minutes of sharing the gospel with her, she accepted the Lord Jesus Christ in the KFC. Not in a church building. Out there, where the people are. So you can be anywhere and evangelize. Anywhere. All you have to do is say, Lord, make me a channel of blessing today. Make me a blessing today so that I can bring one soul to your kingdom today. And when you make yourself available, then the Holy Spirit will bring someone across into your path. And then when you start ministering, then the gifts of the Holy Spirit will begin to manifest. And you'll bring them into the kingdom of God. That's what the Apostle Paul wrote. We preach the gospel not by the wisdom of men, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is the power of God that will save the lost, not mere wisdom. We already have too much of that. In fact, the world knows more than what we know, don't they? But what they do not know is the living Christ, the living Christ. And the people outside, they want to see the living Christ in the church. But what they see is program, program. They have better programs than us. You know, once I was traveling in Europe, ministering among the Tibetan people. And the 
in Tibet, I mean, sorry, in Europe, the Tibetan church is growing so fast and the church numbers is dwindling. The fastest growing church in Europe, sorry, not church, religion, is Buddhism. Europe is coming down. And I once asked a monk a question. I met this Buddhist, Buddhist monk in the northern part of Europe. I asked him, tell me, sir, how is it that a lot of these Westerners are coming to your monastery? He said, they come here to experience. Experience. So that's what he used, experience. So I asked him, what do you mean experience? They said, you know, when you start meditating, their eyes are open. They see lights and they see colors and they feel the presence of the gods. I said, oh, okay, thank you, sir. I left. These people, these very people who went to the Buddhist temple are the very people who are Christians. Because the church is empty, dry and dead. They don't find the living God. So they go to a Buddhist temple where they experience the living thing, the living presence. That which is supposed to be found in the church, the living presence of God, the glory of God has departed. Has departed. Instead, we go through the motion. Motion of liturgy. You start your service at 10. Finish at 11. One service. 20 minute message. Where a pastor even go through reading what he has written. Am I right? So why shouldn't people leave the church? You answer me. Why? When the church is dead. But this church should not be like that. God is calling you to be an apostolic and prophetic church. And there was the early church, it was a teaching church. Now today we have a lot of teaching. So we don't need to elaborate on that. The early church was a church planting church. It planted churches. It goes forth, plants a church here, goes forth another place, plants another church. They were not confined to one geographical place. No. Believers grow, pastor bless them, say go out. You start another work there. House church grows, okay, it becomes an independent church. Or it becomes a church, not necessarily independent, connected to the main church. Church planting. And there were signs and wonders in the early church. Lots of signs and wonders. Miracles, healings, always taking place in the church because people hear that God does miracle here. So they start coming. They bring the sick, the lame, the deaf, the dumb, the blind. Everyone starts coming because they know in this refinery church, you're not only refined, but you're also healed. First, you need to be refined. I like your name. Refinery Church. I like the name. Never found anywhere else in the world with this name. I would have expected an empty church with such a name. I remember last year, I was preaching at a church in the US. This is a church where I frequently go and that's like my home church in the US. So the Lord gave me a church, I mean a word for the church. The Lord is going to refine you. You will go through the fire 
when you come out of the fire, this is the glory that's going to happen in your church. So before that can come, you need to be refined. So after the service, one lady came up to me for prayer. She said, you know, I was planning to move to this church because you spoke so highly about this church. But after hearing this word, I don't want to come to this church. Why? She don't want to go through the refining. I said, I said, you are better off staying in your old church. This church doesn't need you. They need demonstrators of the power of God. They don't need spectators. Two words. Remember these two words. Spectators, demonstrators or participators. God doesn't want spectators. Enough of being a spectator. You must become a demonstrator. Amen. A demonstrator. So the church, early church, was a signs and wonders demonstrating church. And the church was also prophetic. First, it was apostolic. Secondly, it was prophetic. What do we mean prophetic? It sees supernaturally and works supernaturally. Both. Sees supernaturally, works supernaturally. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, we read, they all spoke in unknown tongues. Amen? Wrong. The answer is wrong. They spoke in different languages of the world at that time as a tool of witness to the people of that time. It was not the prayer language of tongues. It was the diverse kinds of tongues of the world. So that was the gift of the Holy Spirit for the salvation of souls. They saw visions. Acts chapter 2 verse 3. Chapter 7 verses 55 and 56. An ordinary church member, Stephen, his spiritual eyes were open and he saw visions of God. He worked the wonders of God. He was an ordinary deacon, not in full-time ministry. Just an ordinary deacon, but he was full of faith. So it was so common for ordinary disciples to see visions in the early church. A good example is found in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 to 12. Secondly, or thirdly, or sorry, secondly, firstly is visions. Secondly, angelic visitations. The church was open or they receive, or the angelic visitations were very common in the early church. Acts chapter 5 verse 19, chapter 8 verse 26, chapter 10 verse 3, chapter 12 verse 7, and chapter 27 verses 23 and 24. So many references to angelic visitations in the early church. She was prophetic. So their eyes were open and they all saw angels and they never jumped up and down shouting, Hey, angel, angel, angel. And they immediately engaged a book publisher and, uh, and sell their story like they do today. Right? You know, I'm sorry to say this, but some of the things that I read, they are so basic. Basic. But why, why do you monetize a heavenly experience? Why are you monetizing? So today, to you, 
to the church, everything is just dollars and cents. You want to monetize, like what they do today on YouTube, you know. Every video is monetized. You make money. So that's how consumer-minded Christianity has now become. You make money out of the things of God. Nothing wrong publishing your teachings, you know. But an experience, you monetize it. That is why, because the church has become brass, she has replaced the gold with the brass. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit spoke to the believers in the church. Acts chapter 10 verse 19, chapter 16 verses 6 and 7, and chapter 13 verse 2. It was so common for the Holy Spirit to speak to the believers. The believers heard it, and when they gathered together in prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke through prophecy. So the Holy Spirit spoke. And number four, supernatural experiences. What are supernatural experiences? Acts chapter 8 verse 39 says, the prophet, the apostle Philip was carried and transported in the spirit. He was physically carried by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, experience of being in trance. Acts chapter 10 verse 9 to 11, chapter 22 verses 17 to 21. Two apostles, Peter and Paul, had the experience of falling into a trance. Thirdly, supernatural deliverances. When Peter was in prison, he was supernaturally delivered by an angel. And fourthly, heavenly encounters. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 to 4, where the apostle Paul was caught up to heaven, not once, at least twice, in that preference, been caught up to heaven. So all these were common experiences, spirit, supernatural experiences in the early church. And they were experienced by everyone in the church. Not one, not two, everyone. So the last day's church, the word for refinery church, this church as well as visitors who have come from different places, the last day's church must be apostolic. It must be prophetic. It must be bold and fearless. It must have the fear of God in them. The last day's church will be persecuted, but they will not fear persecution. The last day's church will help the poor. She's very charitable. She always considers the poor. She will take a portion of her tithes and offerings and keep aside for the poor, to feed the poor, to give to the poor. And the last day church should be a praying church. She's always gathering together and praying. And finally, the last church, last day's church is a training center. It trains the believers to become disciples. You should not just become, a, you should not just be a believer. You should become a disciple. The Lord Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. Not just believers. But sadly, very sadly, believers are so contented to be believers. 
You don't want to go beyond. You just like to hear messages. No matter how deep it is, you just like to hear. That's the heart of the believers today. You know what it means? It means you are so contented to live in the outer court. So contented in the outer court, you don't want to move to the holy place or to the most holy place. You don't want that anymore. Too high a price to pay here. You don't want this. And this holy place, too much too. Because you need to go out and do ministry. This is too much. Pastor, you go. I'll pay you the money. I, my calling, oh, you know what they say today? My calling is to give you offering. You go, pastor. So, 99% of the church are contented to be in the outer court. Outer court. So contented. You know why? It doesn't cost you anything. No price to pay. Just every day bring a sheep or a small, if you can't afford a sheep, just bring a pigeon of an offering. How much is a pigeon? $5, $10 offering that you put in the offering bag today. It doesn't cost you any because you always look for the leftover in your purse to give to God. Am I right, everybody? You don't give something that causes you a hole in your wallet. You're giving the leftover. You know the leftovers in India, the leftovers are given to beggars. And in the Bible, you read, the leftover is given to the dogs. Right? The children eat the bread. They don't eat the crumbs that fall down from the master's table. The crumbs are given to the dogs. But what are we contented with? The crumbs. So you, you are contented to be a dog. And I have good news for you today. Dogs don't go to heaven. Yeah, it's written in the Bible, you know. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Oh, sorry, verse 15. Dogs are outside heaven. Of course, they don't mean real dog. They mean dogs who are sodomites. The gay, the gay people. Not allowed into heaven. Sorry. That's what the scripture says. God loves the gay people, but not their lifestyles. You agree? God loves everyone, no matter who you are. Even the worst of all sinners, God loves them so much more to die for them. But the lifestyle is not tolerated. It is not accepted because it is abomination. Abomination of the worst kind. It, do, it doesn't matter. You can have a gay bishop, gay church, gay believers. doesn't matter. You can twist and turn the scriptures to suit your filthy lifestyles. The word of God stands forever. The standards of God stands forever. They don't change. You can twist and turn them. Holiness is of paramount importance. Let's all arise for a word of prayer now. I see the Lord Jesus Christ. Standing beside me now. 
and he's saying unto you, it is my desire, my wish for these people to move out from the outer court and to meet me in the most holy place. My dear son, Gary, I have prepared a way for you, a path of righteousness for, a path of righteousness for you, which your eyes have not seen before, neither has it entered into your imagination. But that which you have prayed, seeking to know me, seeking to know my glory, and seeking to have a deeper inner court experience with me, I will answer. If you be willing to put away all that which hinders you and take up my cross and to follow me, then I will cause you to be fruitful. Cause your wife to be fruitful and your children to be fruitful and will cause this church to be a fruitful vine, a fruitful bow where it will bring forth fruits. And as the Lord spoke those words, I see my dear brother, Pastor Gary, this church like a tree and there are many different kinds of fruits, different colored fruits. And I see you standing at the bottom of the tree. This tree looks very gigantic. And you're looking at this tree and you're wondering within you, how did I grow this tree? And I see the Lord Jesus standing beside the tree and he is much taller than the tree. It is he who gave the fruit for the tree to grow. And you think in your heart, how can I do this great work? For who am I? I'm small. I'm not well experienced. I do not have encounters. Now I see the Lord Jesus become of normal height like you. And he comes to me, comes to you, takes your right hand by his left hand. And he says, if you will entrust yourself completely to be led by me, I will surely cause you to do greater works than this. But, my son, the path that I will lead you will not be as smooth, as non-confrontational, as non-violent, like the path where you had come before. If you be willing, I will lead you to eat the good of the land. 
I will surely bring my sheep and my lamb. Those who are seeking for greener pasture, those who are seeking for the living waters from moving streams, I'll bring them to you that you may lead them to these places to eat and become fat. Let not your heart be worrisome about your family. I will surely bless them and care for them and look after them. Thank you, wonderful Lord Jesus. My dear pastor, the Filipino pastor, the Lord Jesus tells you, my dear son, think not in your heart, are you in this place by accident or are you in the wrong place? For it is I who have brought you here to this region. Be faithful to the small work and I will cause you to see greater. Do not faint in pastoring the small. Do not faint. For he who labors faithfully will surely get the proper dividends. And I will crown you with glory and honor. Thank you, wonderful Lord. I see, my dear pastor, the Lord is going to give an anointing in your hands to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to perform signs and wonders. Thank you, wonderful Lord Jesus. And I see new shoes being put on your feet and these shoes have two tiny wings attached to the back of the shoes to go back to your homeland for missions work, to plant churches. For the Lord sees deep down in your heart a hunger to see your own countrymen safe. And the Lord will fulfill the longings of your heart. Thank you, wonderful Lord Jesus. Shall we all kneel down before the presence of the Lord? My dearly beloved people of God, the Lord Jesus Christ asks you a question now. Are you willing to put away all that offenses God and all that defiles and to seek purity, to seek holiness. If your answer is yes, you open your heart and you talk to the Lord Jesus right now.
you tell the lord i am willing lord to put away all that defiles i am willing to put away all that offenses and pursue pursue you in the most holy place i don't want to be contented in the outer court i want to move on i want to press on go ahead you open your heart and you talk to god now the lord jesus shows me there are five kinds of people in this group here there are some who just simply love to taste the good word of god but they are not practitioners then there's another group that likes to see the demonstrative works of god but they will not do anything then there's a third group they like to look out for the happenings in the church look out for offenses that will come to church but they themselves will not be a participator in the prophetic workings of the holy spirit then there's another group you will always be babies you will not grow beyond the babyhood stage on to perfection you know in your heart to which of these five groups you belong to the lord jesus gave the word go on to perfection so repent today repent repent from your dead works unto the living christ repent you say to the lord jesus please forgive me lord for being a dead believer make me alive today lord make me alive today give me eyes to see give me ears to hear give me a mouth to speak give me hands to work the works of god and give me legs to go to places where you want me to go and above all make this church lord the place of your habitation where your glory abides we don't want just a visitation we want a habitation open your heart and you talk to god now
Thank you, wonderful Lord Jesus. Let's lift up our holy hands unto the living God. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art. Let's all arise to our feet. How great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, I have given to your children all the words you showed me, the visions you showed me, and the words you put in my mouth to speak to them, Lord. And you have seen their hearts responding to you, Lord. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came in our midst today to speak to them that which they have been praying for a long time, that you would come in their midst and show them the path they should walk. Show them how they are, where they are missing, where they are lacking, and what they should do to have your fullness. Thank you for answering their prayer today, Lord. And I pray this church and all who are here will grow in the spirit. They will grow in spiritual stature. They will grow in wisdom, knowledge and understanding of the word of God and of the things of God. They'll grow, this church will grow into the full stature of the Lord Jesus Christ, perfected in their midst. Fill them, Lord, with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I pray that you will fill them with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of their understanding and the ears of their understanding will be enlightened that they may know what is the hope of their calling and what is the exceedingly greatness of the riches and the glory of God towards them who believe. Fill them, Lord, with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that they may know the length, the breadth, the depth and the height of the love of God that the love of God may be perfected in their midst. Thank you, Lord. I pray that all offenses be removed far from their midst and they, they will be a purified bride made ready for the coming of the bridegroom. Thank you, wonderful Lord Jesus. Thank you, wonderful Lord Jesus. Let's all lift up our holy hands 
and bless the name of the living God for one more time. For He is a good God. His grace and mercy endures forever and ever. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, dear Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, you will perfect them. That the bride of Christ here will be perfected. And she'll put on humility. She'll put on purity. She'll put on godliness. She'll put on holiness. And she will do the works of righteousness that pertains to the kingdom of God. Thank you, my wonderful father. My dear brother, Pastor Gary, I see the Lord Jesus Christ standing before you now. And he says to you, Remember, my son, all that was spoken to you and to your congregation today. Be careful to observe to do them. For as you have prayed, as you have asked me, I have sent to speak to you. Be diligent to do the works that have been assigned to you today. Thank you, wonderful Father. Lord, I pray, make them, Lord, each and every one of them, instruments of righteousness, instruments of peace. Thank you, my Father. And I pray your glory will go with each and every one of them and perfect them. Make them blameless, Lord, till the day you come again in glory. And even then, they will be perfected to stand blameless before you in that day. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Please be seated. Did I take very long? Thank you. Game off. Me now. That's better. We need to be careful what we pray for, right? <laughs> I think it's a good time to go into a little bit more worship, but who's ready to go on to perfection? I know we are. I know we are. Let me share with you what the Lord said to me at 1.30 this morning as a confirmation of what Brother Sadu has just said. We actually prayed with the worship team before we started. And I said to them, our lives change today. The church changes today. 
But the Lord woke me up at 1 o'clock this morning, 1.30. Because when I go to bed, as I hope you all do too, you say, Lord, show me what you want to show me. If you want to wake me up, I'm here. And he woke me up at 1.30 and I thought to myself, surely you've got an appointment with brothers to do at this time. But I'm here. I'm here, Lord. Show me what you want me to see. And he said, my body is spiritually hungry. I said, I know, Lord, but, but why? And he said, because they are feasting on the wrong things. Many of you sitting in this room today are feasting on the wrong things or have been. He said they are eating at the tables of false doctrine, with false prophets, with false apostles, with false teachers, with false pastors, with false believers, and with false witnesses. Now, we're surrounded by the clouds of witnesses here this morning. They are not the false witnesses. The Lord went on to say they are starving themselves and even more so they are poisoning others. If you're a pastor and you're here today or you're in ministry, you need to hear this. This wasn't just for me. And I said, I know, Lord, but what can I do? As Brother Sadu said, I've said that so many times. What can I do, Lord? I'm so small. And his response was so crystal clear. He said, keep moving forward, preaching my unfiltered, unfailing word. Call right for right. Let me tell you, there's two genders. Let's just start with that. Call right for right and wrong for wrong. Don't be afraid of men. I will deal with them. Don't be scared, church. Don't be scared. God will deal with them. And he then reminded me of a prophecy that was spoken over me in three different nations about ministering to kings and presidents and having their ear. That's for the church. And then he reminded me of a vision I had years ago about spot fires. Now, I know some of you have had a very similar vision about spot fires that was starting on the Gold Coast. But there was someone else with me. One of the prophets took me away at this stage. And he showed me the that the spot fires were fading. Now, this vision was, was based on the Gold Coast and there'd be a little flame go out and start a fire and then it'd come back. And another one would go out and come back. And this just kept happening. But he showed me that the spot fires were fading. When I asked why, he said, because they'd gotten too far from the source and they'd run out of fuel. In, in fact, some had actually run out completely. Then the first vision... I'm going to leave you with this and let's worship some more. In the first vision, the spot fire has always come back to the initial source. They'd always come back to Christ. They'd always been attached to the church. They weren't out there doing their own thing. Try and light a little fire and see how long it burns for without fuel. They'd always come back to the initial source. And then they went out again lighting more fires. Today is a day, especially if you're based on the Gold Coast, to be coming back to the source. It's time. We've, we've said it so many times. This is an apostolic and prophetic church. Today, this becomes an apostolic and prophetic church, which makes each and every one of you in this room part of that. If you look around how many people are here this morning, I can assure you only 10% of the people in the room this morning come to this church. 
there is a move of God about to start on the Gold Coast. If you're looking for a new church home, I'm going to encourage you, this is the place to be. The move of God is starting. Apostle Dye, you've been preaching this for years. It's coming. Everything you prophesied 20 years ago is coming. So hallelujah, church. Let's worship some more. Hallelujah. Let's stand, everybody. Let's stretch our legs. 